So last week I began a series called Sacrifice. And I think it was very important to, to note that it was actually Memorial Day last Sunday. And this Sunday, it is the 77th anniversary of D-Day, if you know your history. And I'm actually uh, just kind of thinking about what that means for me, but also what it means for, for our country. I mean, if it wasn't for these brave men and women who gave their lives on that day, then we would probably be speaking German right now. Um, so as I start to think about what led up to the D-Day invasion, it wasn't just a one-day event. It was something that took years in the making. It was a process a preparation, a plan that the Allied forces put together over a period of several years. It actually began when the British were pushed off of Dunkirk in 1940, when the Nazis swept across France and pushed the British forces off of France back to England. That was when they started to begin the process of planning and preparing for the day that they would actually come back to invade and kick Hitler off uh, out of Europe eventually and, and, and take over Germany. So that plan and process took, took quite some time. And my family and I, we, we, we have this thing that we like to do every year. We're actually watching an HBO series right now called Band of Brothers. How many of you have seen Band of Brothers? If you have not seen that, I highly recommend um, that you watch that. It gives you a greater appreciation for what our men did on that, on that day, um, which was a, a day that obviously we're celebrating today. It lives in history. It's monumental, the amount of sacrifice that went into that operation. And so um, another one of my favorite movies is Saving Private Ryan, which takes a different aspect of what happened that day. And you actually went in with the 1st Division Alpha Company as they were the first unit to land on the beaches of Omaha at approximately 6 a.m. that morning on D-Day. And if you know anything about that, the Germans were ready for them. They lost 90%, 90% of the unit wiped out within a matter of seconds and minutes. That sacrifice, it was a sacrifice that was momentary but it lives forever as long as there is history to be told. And so, if you remember last Sunday, what I want to do is to let you know that living as a sacrifice is for a lifetime. But living sacrificially is kind of momentary, right? Like we do things like pick up trash yesterday with our community connection, or we minister to somebody, or, or we we do something for God that he asks us to do, and oftentimes those are momentary things. But if you remember last Sunday, I brought up Christopher, who was 16 years old, and Bernice, who is going to be 93 this August. And what I pointed out was being a living sacrifice is a lifetime process. It's a commitment to God. Ultimately, what it means is we are, we are, as our life is moving forward, we are being Jesus to those people that are around us. And it requires a constant attitude of being a sacrifice. And as those men and women gave their lives on D-Day, it was a process to get themselves basically ready to be a sacrifice. And we as believers, we are constantly going to be, and we should be, a living sacrifice. So let's go to Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. And just in review, 
Paul says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I ask today that as I speak, let it be your words that are spoken. And I ask for the hearts in this room to be open, the ears to hear and to receive what it is that you're going to say today, Father, through me. I thank you, Father, that as we leave this building today, that it's something that we will apply. Being a living sacrifice so that we can be Jesus to those around us and they can see him and receive him if they haven't already, Father. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you remember last week, one of the last things I said was that being a living sacrifice, essentially what we're fighting is ourself. And the world has constantly been promoting self. If it feels good, do it. If you want to do it, do it. Whatever makes you feel like you have a purpose, do it. It's been going on for thousands of years, even to the point where the devil, that's how the devil fell, was that he was focused on himself. He wanted to be God. He wanted to have it all for himself, hence the fall of the devil. And so the devil is using that tactic with us right now, especially with young people. Because in young people, you still have a formidable mind. And I know some of the younger generations, like the Generation Z and Millennials, we feel like we have it all already figured out. But essentially what's happening is the world is trying to shove you back in that mold of being conformed to the world. And and it's a fight every day to fight against that. Because when you got saved and you received Jesus and the Holy Spirit now lives in you, God broke that mold. But every day, we are fighting to get away from being conformed to this world. And how we're sucked in is, is essentially, like I said, the world is focusing on trying to get you to focus on yourself. Everything from the news, to social media, to advertising, to the shows you watch on TV, to the movies you see on Netflix, it all revolves back to you. And what we're trying to do is put down the flesh and put on Christ so that we can walk this thing out called following Jesus. That is so important. So as I said last week, how do we not conform to the world? Well, Paul goes on to say to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So what is the transformation that needs to take place? It's renewing your mind in the word of God. This is the filter This is the filter that we live by. So one of the things that I was thinking about is I know some of our young people, especially those that are in youth ministry, those that are still in high school, middle school, you know, sitting down and opening your Bible is probably not the first thing on your mind when you begin your day. And I I understand that. I I, I totally understand that. And that's something I know that your parents probably bug you about, and and me as your pastor and your leaders and youth and young adult leadership probably say, you got to get in the Word, you got to get in the Word, you got to get in the Word. It is important. It is the most important thing 
that you do because out of this flows who you are, what your witness is to the world around you. And so this is important. So how is it as somebody who is always attached to this, how do you get the word in you? And I just want to give you a couple of things, and this is kind of a little bit of a rabbit trail, but download the YouVersion Bible app. And every day, there is a verse, just one verse. If you can read that verse and get it not just here, but in here, and that is something that you meditate on throughout the day, then you're taking a step in the right direction. Because what you're going to see here is Paul is going to outline here in Romans 12 how it is that we are to be a living sacrifice. There's that filter. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down just a few more verses, and I'm going to read to you a section out of Romans chapter 12, where if you have the ESV Bible translation, what it says is the marks of a true Christian. And we're going to begin in verse 9. So, I've been up here clamoring that we need to be a living sacrifice. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through this process of what it means to actually be a living sacrifice from the filter that we need to filter everything out of God's word. It's going to give us step-by-step instructions. So the very first thing Paul says, and I'm going to go through, let me read all of it through, and I'm going to break it down for you. He says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil, no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the, in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'm out of breath. That is a list. And how many of us like to live by lists? We have a list. We have lists. And I've got two bulletin boards or whiteboards in my office that have lists and lists and lists of things that I want to do. Things that I want our church to do. Things that I hope that you all will do one day. I mean, God has given me vision and I put it down in lists. And next to everything that I got on that board, there is a little box. And every now and then, I, I just feel great when I can just check a box. Check a box. And see, what God told me as I was just looking through all this and I was stressing over it, and it's funny because I have meetings in my office and I got members of my staff that come in periodically and I see their eyes dart to that board. And they're like looking at the list. And I can almost see the, the stress and anxiety building up. I've even had to tell some people, don't look at the board. Just don't. That's just me, okay? You'll know what you need to know when it's time. But for some reason, 
when we see lists, it tends to get us a little stressed out and anxious, especially as 21st century Americans, right? But we like lists because then as we check the box, then we feel like we're making progress. And what God told me as I was staring at that board, those boards and I was getting kind of freaked out about, oh my gosh, you want me to do all this stuff? He was like, it's not about the list. <laughs> Reading through this section of Romans, what God is saying is it's not about the list. It's not about the doing. It's about the being. If you check boxes off, okay, so I abhor what is evil. Check. I love people, I outdo uh, honoring them, and I love them with brotherly affection, brotherly affection, check. Then all of a sudden it becomes you're living sacrificially instead of actually being a living sacrifice. So this list I'm going to actually go through with you, I'm I'm telling you, don't look at it as a list, but I I got to because it's God's word. I want to break it down. I want you guys to see what it is. But essentially, what I want you to learn from it is this is who I'm supposed to be. And if I am this, then all these things actually begin to happen in my life. And then I'm not focused on myself and I'm not conforming to the world and now all of a sudden I'm being Jesus to those around me. That's so important. So I want you to get that in your mind as I go through this, all right? Because we're going to break it down and there's a lot. So I'm going to try to go as fast as I can. So verse 9, let love be genuine. This is not human love. This is God's love. This is the love of Jesus that's in you, that's placed in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not something that you can drum up. It's just something that you be. As you hear people's problems, as you see the evil that's in this world, as you are going through your life, it just, you feel it. You experience it. And the only way that you can let love be genuine and not a mask not insincere, not fake, is because you're spending time in God's word. You're spending time in communication with God. You're in prayer. You have the Holy Spirit just filling you up. You're praying in the Spirit, and we can talk about what that is if you don't know what that means later. But all of this is, is being bubbled up inside of you because of your relationship with God. This is what it means to let love be genuine. Paul goes on and says, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. The evil in this world is sin. We should abhor it. We're in Christ. Sin should be something that we, makes us sick, that, that, that makes us want to, to run away from it. We are to abhor evil, and what we hold on to is good. It's what God says. What is the the opposite of sin? It's righteousness that we have through Jesus Christ. That is what we cling on to. This is another way of saying, use the filter that God has given us, the word, when we experience the things that we experience in this world. We need to abhor sin And we need to hold fast to what God says about it. 
He says in verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection, if I could say that word. Outdo one another in showing honor. So if I am having that genuine love bubble up in me and I abhor evil and sin in this world, then then I'm going to be able to outdo one another in showing honor. Then I'm going to be able to love my brother or sister with honor and outdo them in honor and with affection. This sets up the number one thing as a believer, the number one thing that Paul points out in Corinthians, points out in Colossians, points out in this book, Romans, love is number one. If we don't have love, then the rest of the list that I'm gonna go through means absolutely nothing. And you know if you have it too. Love is the most important thing, it's the mark of a true Christian. Verse 11, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. How many lazy Christians do I have in here? Does this speak to you right now? This is a statement that says that being a living sacrifice is radical. The word zealous, I read that word and I'm like, oh my gosh, that blew up on me. I'm actually gonna do a series, Mallory, on being zealous. Because the word zealous is such a powerful word. It means we are radical. And and I think we've lost that as the church. This is so important. And I'm not talking about getting on the street corner and thumping a Bible and and doing fire and brimstone preaching. It's are we radically, fervently, with zeal, loving people around us? Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Being a living sacrifice is radical. Verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Being a living sacrifice means we're disciplined. Because when the stuff hits the fan, we need to be hopeful, we need to be patient. Because we know that God is gonna supply. We know that God is gonna be there with us through all the trials and the tribulations and the problems And we're not going to let it get us off track and off mission. Because I'm a living sacrifice, so I am going to experience pain in my life. Just expect it. For those of you in here that are not believers or maybe new believers, following Jesus is painful. Paul wouldn't put this in here if it wasn't. That's why he said, we got to continue to focus on him. He is the hope of everything that we have. And we have to be patient that he is going to come through with his promises according to his word. And the way we can do that is be in constant prayer, always communicating. As I've said before a million times, have the antenna up. My antenna is up. Just like my phone is always on and I got a wireless connection or I have LTE or 5G or whatever it is you got, it's always going. It's always banging. I'm always pinging. I'm always in contact with God. And it's just that mindset of knowing that at any moment he could either give me his peace, he can ex- we can experience grace, love, his presence, or he could tell me to do something. 
I've always got to be in constant prayer so that when trials and tribulations happen, it's not going to take me off mission. 14 through 20. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Does this hit you when you hear this? Do you, do you feel the weight of these words? Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Wow, that's right there. That one right there, living peaceably with all. Are we able to do that? Beloved, never avenge yourself. That speaks. How many of us use social media to try to avenge ourselves? Never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. That's incredible. I can be a living sacrifice, I can love, I can be disciplined, I can be a radical, and I know that God has my back. When stuff comes at me from the world, I know he's got my back. I don't have to worry about exhausting energy or putting stress and anxiety in my life to try to avenge myself because you do it on social media, it's there forever. And you go back and check it to see who comments. And you go back and check it again to see who comments. It's not worth your time. God has your back. He will avenge. If there's evil, if there's something wrong done to you, he will take care of it. And oftentimes, you won't even know about it. And oftentimes, you're not going to really care because you're, again, focused on being a living sacrifice. And this is what he says, to the contrary, verse 20, to the contrary. In other words, don't focus on being, seeking revenge, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. In other words, they're not going to know what to do with that. Verse 14 through 20 is being Jesus. He wasn't seeking revenge, he associated with the lowly to the point where he got down in the mud with those people that he was having compassion on. He didn't look for vengeance. He is God. He could have done anything. Matter of fact, the Pharisees yelling him at the cross saying, if you are truly the son of God, then call down your angels to save you. He could have done whatever he wanted. Instead, he did these things. He was a living sacrifice. So being a living sacrifice is living and loving like Jesus. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So being a living sacrifice also is being an overcomer. Here's the takeaway from this list. It's impossible to do. And the reason why it's impossible to do is because it requires so much of us. 
And in our minds, I think as Americans who live in this century, we think that we look at this list, we think we can do it, and we try to do it in our own strength because we're Americans, we can do it. And no, you cannot. This is a process. This is sanctification. This is something that Paul takes back up in Colossians, which I'm going to talk about here soon. But there's another list. This is one list we see in Romans. There is another list that talks about putting down certain sin and putting on certain things so that we can be Jesus to the world around us. There's list upon list, and if we get caught up in the list, we'll never, ever be. And we'll never, ever be authentic. What God is saying is, as long as you're making progress in the process, then I'm going to bless you. As long as you are taking steps, as long as you are connected to me, then what's going to come out of you is what we just read in Romans 12. And you will never be conformed to this world. And instead, you'll, be, you'll stick out. See, we, Paul says that we're supposed to present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, but ultimately you're presenting yourselves to the world as a living sacrifice. Genesis chapter 22. started to think about and pray about what does this mean what's a good example obviously Jesus is the perfect example but is there another example that maybe we can kind of relate to and I don't know how many of you had to have had to sacrifice your own kid probably not but when we read through this the sacrifice of Isaac when Abraham went to take his son to be sacrificed on an altar. What I saw in this was something I think is going to drive my point home. So beginning in verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. The very first thing that we can be as a living sacrifice is available. God, here I am, right? And what's crazy is, it says here, after these things, God tested Abraham. After what things? Uh, God telling Abraham, you're gonna be the father of many nations. I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna multiply you like the sand that's on a beach. So here comes blessing. Here comes a promise of an amazing future. And then God tested him, and Abraham said, here I am. Hello, I'm a living sacrifice. God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So, Abraham rose early in the morning. This is amazing to me. God is saying, you're going to offer your son as a burnt offering. There's nothing in here that says Abraham pushed back or said no or, or, or got upset or anxious or, or any of that. It was Abraham just rose up early in the morning the next day like it was nothing. 
saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young, his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship it come again to you. So for three days, this man was thinking, I'm gonna have to sacrifice my son. He's not pushing back. He's setting up the altar. He's getting things together. He grabs his son. And now comes the day where he's going to sacrifice him. Verse six, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took it in his hand, the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. This is just gut-wrenching, isn't it? When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided." And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Wow tremendous blessing. What we saw here wasn't necessarily Abraham carrying out the sacrifice of Isaac, but it was the process that Abraham submitted to, to where when that process was over and it was about to be completed, God said, wait, I'm going to bless you. Stop. I see your heart. I see that you are willing to do whatever I ask. I see that you're willing to obey me. I see that you're willing to go through the process, even though it is painful. Hello, being a believer in 21st century America. But because you've submitted to that process, because you're willing to be a living sacrifice for me, to even to the point where you're going to sacrifice your own son, I am going to bless you and I am going to multiply you. You see, being a living sacrifice means that we're submitted to the process to be in Jesus to this world to the point where God is going to multiply his kingdom through us. Every one of you are worth so much to God. You've got to, you've got to know that. 
And the only way you're going to know that is spending time in his word and spending time with him so that you can actually be that living sacrifice. So the big takeaway today is simply this. Being a living sacrifice, being that living sacrifice for God is a process that you submit to. And if you submit to that process, then you're going to be blessed. And that blessing is not about you. That blessing is you're going to see God's kingdom expand through you. Being a living sacrifice is a lifetime commitment. Living sacrificially is momentary. Being a living sacrifice, you get rewarded later. You may not see the rewards of that until you see Jesus in heaven. Because it's not about you.